If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Wednesday, September 29th, 2021, you are listening to the Daily Dose Sports Podcast, and I am your host, Clint Daly, coming to you from the Mile High City here in Denver, Colorado, and we are back for another week of Talking Sports with a dose of common sense. Hey, happy Wednesday to you. Hope your week is going well. Hope you, your family, your friends, hope everyone out there is staying healthy physically as well as mentally. We are happy to have you here with us today, and you know, today... We actually need to wish a happy birthday to one of the most talented people in athletics, but also to one of the most sensitive people on the planet today. I'm sure he will probably hear about it because he apparently listens to everything. But back on September 29th, 1988, Kevin Wayne Durant was born in Washington, D.C. Of course, Durant would star in, you know, kind of the state of Maryland, Virginia area as a high school player, he would eventually go on to the University of Texas and be drafted by the Seattle Supersonics in 2007. He would play with Seattle and then move with the team to Oklahoma City when they became the Thunder. Then, of course, he would leave in free agency. He would join the Golden State Warriors. Kevin Durant won an NBA title in 2017, and in 2018, he was named the NBA Finals Most Valuable Player in both of those title runs. Of course, now, Kevin Durant is a member of the Brooklyn Nets, and I mean, you can make a pretty strong case that when he is healthy, Kevin Durant is currently the best player in the league. I mean, a recent Sports Illustrated article ranked the top five players for the upcoming season in 2022, and they list Kevin Durant as one, Giannis Antetokounmpo as two, LeBron James at three, Steph Curry at four, and Nikola Jokic at five. You know, I remember seeing Durant when he was in college at Texas, and I actually got to see him up close in person, and he was so skilled. He was so much bigger than I thought he was, because he is a seven-footer. I mean, he's got to be 6'10", 6'11". He is a seven-footer. But when I saw him, I won't lie, I thought he was just so thin that the NBA would wear him down and break him. I didn't think he would be able to hold up to that kind of pressure every single night, getting beat up physically every single night. I mean, when you look at Kevin Durant as a kid in high school, even into college, he can't bench a pipe cleaner. But with that size and with the ball handling and shooting skills that he has. And, I mean, let's throw this out there, with the modern rules of the NBA, Kevin Durant is completely indefensible. I mean, how do you stop him? He can shoot from anywhere. He can create his own shot from anywhere. And with that length and that height and the length of those arms, you can't stop him. He can get that shot off. Anytime he wants to, you can't block it. Kevin Durant 
is an absolutely amazing talent. And yet, we do also know he is one of the most sensitive guys on planet Earth. I mean, if you say something bad about him, he is going to fire up that burner account and call you out for it. He has gotten into it on like Twitter with multiple players, with multiple fans, with Michael Rappaport. So today, we don't want to mix it up with one of the greatest players ever. And Kevin Durant truly is one of the greatest players ever. We just want to be nice. We want to wish Kevin Durant a very happy 33rd birthday without making fun of him in any way. He's a great player. He's a really, really dominant, unstoppable player. So what if his relationship with his mom is a little Norman Batesy? We aren't going to bring that up in any way, shape, or form. Not today. We're not going to mess around with Kevin Durant. Hey, if you'd like to contact the show, maybe tell us your favorite creepy child-parent relationship ever. Maybe it's Woody Allen and Sun Yi. Maybe it's Tom Brady and his son. We would love to hear from you. Hit us up on email, dailydosesports at gmail.com, or you can go find us over on Facebook or Twitter. Both of those handles are at dailydosesports. Maybe you've got a question. Maybe you've got a comment. Maybe you need a little advice. We have handed out some advice in the past, and I know a lot of times I'll hear from people, maybe it's email or on Facebook or Twitter or whatever, it might not make it to the show. It might make it to the show. We might end up using what you send on the show. But know this, we will always take the time to get you an answer. Be sure to reach out to us if you have something on your mind. Also, be sure you stop by dailydosports.com and check out some of the new articles that are going up every week. I am releasing a Daily Doses most every Tuesday, touching on kind of local sports news that we have going on here in the Rocky Mountain region, but it might be about anything. And then we have our featured columnist, Young Jimmy, who is posting a new article on Thursdays, and you never really know which direction Young Jimmy's article might go in. I mean, this last week, he took a look at why the San Diego Padres have gone downhill so quickly. He's got some very good observations over there. Plus, you can always find the video portion of the podcast. You can find a link to the podcast. You can find a link to the Daily Dose gear. Just be sure you stop by dailydosesports.com and check out everything we have going on over there. And as long as we are all doing that online shopping, you can always go to tpublic.com and do some shopping for some Daily Dose gear. We've got t-shirts over there. We've got sweatshirts over there. Hey, it's starting to get to be fall. You might need a hoodie for the fall season. And we've got Daily Dose hoodies over there. And the greatest thing is you get a Daily Dose logo, but you can pick it in whatever color that you want it. Kind of an added benefit there. But tpublic.com is always doing promotions. They're always doing sales. They will get you your gear very, very quickly and efficiently. Make sure you stop by tpublic.com and pick up that Daily Dose gear that you know you need in your life. Hey, today on the show, college football and the NFL are rolling along with some really, really interesting things happening. And we are going to have to check in on some winners and losers from what was a very, very entertaining weekend this past weekend. Plus, we will have a Daily Dose Top 5 for you today. Going to be looking a little bit into the world of cheating in sports today. Be sure you stick around for that. But first off, we need to jump into a little bit of sports news. And kids, first up, let's talk some college football. And we need to talk a little bit about the University of Tennessee this week. No, not their game against Florida on Saturday where they tried hard early and then ended up getting blown out. But actually, I want to talk a little bit about Tennessee next season. You see... The University of Tennessee was supposed to face the Army Black Knights next year on September 17th. It would have actually been the first time since 2011 that the Black Knights have faced a team from the SEC. And actually that season, Army went to Nashville, they played Vanderbilt, they lost 44-21 to a Vanderbilt team that was led by a guy named Jordan Rogers. You might know his brother, Aaron, up in Green Bay right now. But unfortunately, the game that Army was scheduled to play next year against Tennessee, yeah, it's off. It's not going to happen. You see, it seems that first-year head coach Josh Heupel and athletic director Danny White, they don't want to play Army. They're a little bit worried about what could happen at Neyland Stadium, their home stadium, against the Army Black Knights. You see, the Army teams 
that are coached now by Jeff Munkin, yeah, they're pretty good. They're a lot better than that team that went to Vanderbilt a few years back. They might actually come in and beat you. I mean, think about it. Munkin's teams have gone to overtime with teams like Oklahoma and Michigan. They hung 70 on Houston last year in a bowl game. They have beaten Duke, Wake Forest, Buffalo, San Diego State. Army has now won three commander-in-chief trophies in the past four years. See, and here's the most important thing in this story. Right now, Army is good at football, and Tennessee is not. But also keep in mind that this is the same head coach in Josh Heupel and the same athletic director in Danny White that were working at the University of Central Florida. Remember that? And they wouldn't schedule anyone. And they wanted to act like, hey, we're big time. We're UCF. We're former national champions, even though we know they weren't really national champions. Well, now those two are at Tennessee doing the exact same thing. Unfortunately, for both Heupel and White. Now, you might be able to duck Army. You can't duck your own SEC schedule. So get out of that game if you must. Go schedule the terrible bottom feeder teams that we know you're going to schedule. But be prepared for this. You're going to have to play in the SEC. And at the rate you're going, you're going to continue getting smacked. You should have kept this game with Army. Bad, bad mojo for the University of Tennessee for canceling that game. Moving over to the NFL, Dallas Cowboys right tackle Lyle Collins was suspended a few weeks ago for some sort of illegal substance in his system. We actually talked about that a little bit here on The Dose. Well, it turns out that isn't exactly how that went down. The real story is a little bit different and much, much dumber. So here's the thing. Players cannot be suspended for positive marijuana tests under the NFL's new collective bargaining agreement. Kind of makes sense. Pot is legal in a lot of places, so they won't suspend you for that. But that wasn't the catch here. You see, it seems that Mr. Collins' issue was that he had missed multiple tests. Oh, and that he was actually suspended after trying to bribe the league's drug test collector. The NFL initially was actually preparing to suspend Collins five games for his actions, but then the NFL Players Association, aware that the five-game suspension was on the table, they were going to negotiate a reduction to what would have been just a two-game ban. However, Collins appealed the suspension, and the appeal was heard by an arbitrator appointed jointly by both the league and the Players Association, and the arbitrator not only rejected Collins' appeal, but he also ruled that based on the evidence and stupidity, the suspension should be increased back to the original five games. The arbitrator noted that Collins' bribe attempt wasn't even enough to buy his wife a new Tesla. He also stated that Cowboys running back Ezekiel Elliott fumbled the envelope holding the bribe and spilled most of the money. So, I mean, good luck. He's not going to take that bribe. That's a garbage bribe. So good luck, Lyle Collins. It looks like you're going to be out for at least five games, primarily just for stupidity. This isn't even an illegal substance situation. This is just you being dumb. And you might be one of the dumbest cowboys out there. And that's saying a lot. Staying in the NFL, it looks like Monday night football is going to be going to the playoffs. Yes, the NFL announced last week that the season's expanded playoffs is going to include a primetime Monday night matchup on what is being referred to as Super Wild Card Weekend. Of course, last season, the NFL expanded its postseason for the first time in 30 years, and now we have 14 teams qualifying for the playoffs, where previously you only had 12 teams getting in. Well, Super Wild Card Weekend is going to allow football lovers to feast on six helpings of playoff games from Saturday afternoon until Monday night. Postseason play will kick off with wild card matchups on Saturday, January 15th. You'll get two games. Sunday, you'll get three games. And then you'll get a Monday night main course. But here's the question that I guess I have to ask. I mean, I get it. You know 
the NFL is going to own the ratings on that weekend for three straight days. But isn't the team going to be at a disadvantage the following week when they had one less day to prepare? I mean, I'm sure no one will be complaining about that, right? More importantly than any of that, though, something to keep in mind. If your favorite team is playing in that Monday night playoff game, you might need to think about coming up with an excuse for your work or maybe your school day on that Tuesday because we know how those games can go. You don't want to have to get up early if you were up celebrating or maybe crying when your team was either winning a playoff game or getting eliminated. Kind of keep that in the back of your mind. A Monday night game could mean you come down with something on Tuesday. Just make sure you're real careful about your symptoms. You'll get booted out of work or school for like two weeks if you don't. The other question I have, will Peyton and Eli Manning be covering that Monday night game? Because if so, I'm all in. I've told you before, I absolutely love their broadcast. Let's be sure they're going to be on the broadcast team that night, right? Finally, we have a story that you may not have heard, but trust me, you're going to want to. Because Daily Dose I-Team President Big Rob sent me this one, and it's a good one. It seems that a 60-year-old man by the name of Ronnie Brunswick laced up his soccer cleats and took to the field as a striker as his team Inter faced off against Olympia in a league game in Suriname, South America. In fact, the 60-year-old man was also named team captain for the match. Now, was this some sort of publicity stunt? Was this like a charity make-a-wish thing? No. You see, Ronnie Brunswick has been Suriname's vice president since July of 2020. He actually previously founded and led the rebel group called Jungle Commando, which sought to free Suriname from a military dictatorship during the Surinamese Interior War back in the late 80s. In 1999, he was actually accused of cocaine trafficking by the Dutch government and was sentenced to eight years in prison. Then in 2005, he was suspended by Suriname's National Football Association after, wait for it, threatening a player on the pitch with a handgun. Well, my man Ronnie decided he would just name himself a starter and captain of his team. And I'll just say this, it didn't go well. His inter-team lost 6-0, I think that's how you say it in soccer speak, and he ended up subbing himself out after looking fat and paunchy and really doing nothing in the game. But I mean, what if other American owners would start doing this? Like, what if Mark Cuban just checks in for the Dallas Mavericks? What if Jerry Jones names himself the starting quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys? We've been waiting for that for years. What if that pumpkin pie haircutted freak Mark Davis actually decides that he's going to be the Las Vegas Raiders' new starting cornerback? Actually, that might be a little bit of an upgrade, but you get what I'm saying. You little pumpkin pie haircutted freak. I know that Ronnie is taking some heat for this, but I'll tell you this right now. I love it. I want to see more of it. And I'm hoping this kind of trend comes to America because it would be amazing. Okay, coming back, you know, it was another entertaining weekend in college football and in the NFL. When we come back today, we are going to be handing out some winners and some losers from a very wild weekend in football, we had a number of surprises. We are going to see who can make our list. It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause, and MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. 
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You know, college football had an absolutely wild week four this past weekend. We saw upsets. We saw overtimes. We saw wild plays. We saw last-second comebacks. Six ranked teams lost on Saturday. That means we've already had 25 ranked teams get beat through just four weeks. That is the most in the AP poll era. And I know that lately, it seems like every year in college football, we're just getting the same teams at the top at the very, very end. But we had a really fun weekend of college football that could shake things up. I know it was just the final week in September, but right now, we are going to hand out some winners and losers from a very entertaining week in college football. And you know, I'm going to give out our first winner to a college football coach who made some history on Saturday. I mean, if I were to ask you, who is the winningest coach in Notre Dame history? You might think of Newt Rockney, maybe Era Parsegian, maybe Lou Holtz, and understandably so, because those guys actually won national titles. But on Saturday, Notre Dame head coach Brian Kelly became the winningest coach in fighting Irish history as the Irish beat number 18, Wisconsin, 41-13. to Now, that game was a little bit closer than that final score would indicate, but Notre Dame outplayed Wisconsin. They went into that neutral field, and they beat Wisconsin handily. Now, sure, Brian Kelly tends to get blown out when he faces the real big dogs, and there probably won't be a Newt Rockney or Rudy movie made about any of his teams. But Brian Kelly did rewrite the history books on Saturday. And for that reason, he is going to be named a winner this week. I'm going to give out our first loser, though. And I'm going to give it to a conference that is really having a rough season. And that, of course, is the ACC. While teams like Wake Forest and Boston College had pretty solid weeks and they seem to be coming on, the only two ranked ACC teams last weekend got beat again. Clemson is now just 2-2 two and two as they were upset by North Carolina State. You know, that Clemson offense, it is absolutely awful. And I know that right now we look at the NFL and we look at Trevor Lawrence and everyone's kind of laughing at Trevor Lawrence and going, he's not as good as everyone thinks. I'm telling you right now, he's looking pretty good when you look back at what Clemson is doing without him. I mean, that Clemson offense was held to just 214 total yards against NC State. And the Wolfpack even tried to let Clemson still win when they missed a potential game-winning field goal, but Clemson isn't good enough to take advantage of those opportunities. For the first time in a while, Clemson is not going to the playoff this year, and they have gone the last six seasons. They're not going to make it this year, though. NC State ends Clemson's 36-game winning streak against unranked teams, but it wasn't just Clemson, because number 21 North Carolina also suffered their second loss as they got pushed around all day by Georgia Tech. You know, going into that game, Georgia Tech had two sacks in three games. Then they got eight sacks against North Carolina alone. You know, the ACC, with as poor as it is playing, is opening the door for either another conference, maybe a smaller conference, to step into the playoff because the ACC is just playing so poorly. And... I know they're not one of the better teams, but side note, after what we're seeing this year, should Florida State just drop their football program altogether? The Seminoles are now 0-4. They got smoked on Saturday by Louisville. Remember when we were all kind of giving Florida State an A for effort in that loss to Notre Dame when we opened the year? Remember that game? It was on Monday night or Sunday night or whatever, and Florida State kind of battled and gave them a tough run, and we were like, hey, man, Florida State's going to come out and compete this year. Oh, no, they're not, because that seems like a distant memory now. That was a long time ago. Florida State had better be either Syracuse or Massachusetts, and Massachusetts is truly dreadful. If not, they're going to go Ophers this year, 
the ACC had a tough weekend. I'm going to give a winner to a team that if I were releasing our Daily Dose Power Rankings again this week, I would be real tempted to move them into that number one spot because the Georgia Bulldogs are looking strong. Georgia blew the doors off of Vanderbilt on Saturday. And no, that's not a story at all because we know Vandy is bad and Vandy's really bad this year. But wow, were the Bulldogs dominant. Georgia beat Vanderbilt 62 to nothing, but that's not even the story. Because when you hear these stats, it's even worse. Georgia held the Commodores to just four first downs and 77 total yards. Georgia held them to 24 yards rushing and forced three turnovers. Meanwhile, the Georgia offense racked up over 500 yards. Hey, the Georgia Bulldogs are looking like a playoff contender. Their schedule is about to ramp up significantly, and that is going to be worth watching. We're going to talk about that a little bit more in a few minutes, but Georgia was definitely a winner. I'm going to give a loser, and I'm going to give it to the USC Trojans, who just a week after getting that big win over Washington State under interim head coach Dante Williams, well, they all crashed back to earth because USC got smashed at home by the Oregon State Beavers 45 to 27. Quarterback Keaton Slovis was back in the starting lineup with Jackson Dart actually out with a knee injury. And Slovis looked pretty good. I mean, he threw for 355 yards. He had one touchdown. Unfortunately, he also had three interceptions and the Trojans allowed the Beavers offense 535 yards. It was the first time that Oregon State has won in the Coliseum since 1960. And for allowing that, USC is definitely a loser. But I'm also going to give a winner to USC for losing that game. Uh? I know that might sound crazy. Hear me out. The Trojans are in this funky cycle of firing their coach midseason, naming an interim head coach, and then he does okay, so they keep him. Well, keep losing like you did against Oregon State, and you won't have any doubts about firing that interim head coach and hiring someone new. Hey, last week when USC won, it was all love and support for Dante Williams, and maybe he's the guy. Well, that already all went out the window. So we can get past that, and maybe now USC can start to focus and say, hey, you know what, maybe we better go hire someone instead of just having these retread assistant substitute coaches. So while USC is a big loser for losing that game, especially in the fashion in which they did it, they're also a winner for losing that game. And if they were smart, they would keep losing and losing and losing the rest of the year and then go find someone to rebuild that mess of a program. Because you have a program that is way too inflated with its own ego and not really getting anything done actually on the football field. I'm going to give a loser. And I'm going to give it to my preseason Heisman pick. And that is Oklahoma starting quarterback Spencer Rattler, who had another week of winning, but also not looking all that great. The Sooners had to get a late game drive to sneak past unranked West Virginia on Saturday. The Sooners win 16 to 13. And Rattler, he's struggling to get much going in a Lincoln Riley offense that we know can create Heisman winners and huge, crazy offensive numbers. But that's not happening with Spencer Rattler. The Sooners actually finished the game against West Virginia with just over 300 yards. They went 5 of 13 on third downs. It got so bad, in fact, that the home crowd in Norman was chanting, We want Caleb. They were actually asking for the backup quarterback. Because the Sooners were being forced to punt yet again. I mean, pretty classy to cheer against a 19-year-old kid, right? Uh, No, probably not. But remember this. Remember the days when we would say things like, hey, you can't boo a kid. You can't boo a college kid. He's not getting paid. Uh, Well, wait a second. Yes, he is. Spencer Rattler is getting paid. Remember that name and likeness stuff? Well, Spencer Rattler has a contract. He is, I guess, technically a professional. So, hey, go nuts. If you want to boo him, boo him. If you want to chant for the backup, go ahead. Because the rules have all changed. Everything is different now. You wanted to get paid, 
Remember we said there were going to be some things forthcoming that we weren't going to see at the time? Some bad things that would be coming for college athletes? Well, this is one of those things. You're going to get booed. They're going to be screaming for your job, even though you're just a kid. They don't care because you're a paid professional now. Better start getting the job done. Spencer Rattler needs to step up. I'm going to give a winner, and I'm going to give it to a guy that is just living his best life because Sam Pittman grew up an Arkansas fan. He was actually raised in Oklahoma, but not that far from Fayetteville, Arkansas. So he grew up cheering for the Razorbacks. Well, Pittman has actually been coaching since the 80s. He's kind of bounced all over the place. He would eventually be named the associate head coach at Georgia. Well, last year he was named the head coach at Arkansas. And right now, he's getting things done. After going just 3-7 and seven last year, Pittman has the Razorbacks playing some serious defense. They are now 4-0. They are number 8 in the country. They beat Texas A&M on Saturday 20-10. And once again, it was Pittman's defense that was the story of the game. Here is where things are going to get interesting. Because next up for number eight, Arkansas is the number two Georgia Bulldogs. A team, by the way, that Pittman knows very well. He was on their staff. If Pittman could somehow knock off his former team, Razorback Nation is going to lose their minds because they would be putting themselves into the playoff top as well. Got to give some congrats to Sam Pittman. He is coaching the team he grew up cheering for, and he's doing a heck of a job doing it. We have to give a loser, though, and we have to give it to a program that has been improving. But, man, did the Minnesota Golden Gophers take a huge step back on Saturday after starting the season with a tough but competitive loss to Ohio State. The Gophers had then beaten Miami, Ohio, and then they thumped the University of Colorado 30 to nothing before their game this past Saturday against Bowling Green. Going into that game, Minnesota was favored by 30 and a half points. Minnesota lost to Bowling Green 14 to 10. They turned it over three times. And now with the Big Ten schedule getting started, hey, that's a huge loss for Minnesota. Because you know, if you're losing those games, you should win. What's going to happen when you face those big dogs in the Big Ten? I say it all the time, but when you are dealing with 18, 19-year-old kids, anything can happen. And we saw that happen this weekend with Minnesota losing to Bowling Green, who they were favored by over 30. Yeah, hope you took those points. I'm going to give a winner to a team that is not in a Big Five conference. But you know, right now, there are three or four other teams that are kind of lurking about, just waiting for the big boys to slip up. And when we see the ACC stumble, there's three or four teams that are looking around going, hey, maybe that's going to be our spot. Of course, the media is always going to try to jam Notre Dame down our throats. We know that. Coastal Carolina is pretty good. The problem for the Chanticleers, they just don't play anyone this year. I think their strength of schedule is really going to trip them up. I think the Cincinnati Bearcats are for real, and they're going to be tested a little more this season. They might be one of those teams lurking to get into the playoff. And then we have the independent Brigham Young Cougars. BYU is now 4-0. They are number 15 in the country. And I mean, when you think about who they've beaten, it's like a almost a Pac-12 schedule. They've beaten Arizona. They've beaten Utah. They've beaten Arizona State. They did also beat South Florida this last weekend. Now, BYU still plays Boise State. They'll play Baylor, who is now in the top 25. And they will face those USC Trojans. BYU could be a team that could sneak their way into the college football playoff if things fell right for them. Keep an eye on the BYU Cougars. One more college football loser to hand out. And I'm going to give it to Nebraska head coach Scott Frost, who isn't just finding ways to lose. I mean, he's doing that. But he's trying to lose in the most painful and most excruciating ways. The Cornhuskers are now 2-3 and three with two of those losses coming to pretty good teams. I mean, last week, it was Nebraska just letting Oklahoma kind of slip by them. But this past week, the Huskers led number 20 Michigan State 20-13 to 13 in the fourth quarter. Then they allowed a 62-yard punt return for a touchdown with just over three minutes to play. I want you to think about this. Michigan State 
actually forced overtime against Nebraska without picking up a single first down in the entire second half. Okay, so the game goes to overtime, but big deal. Michigan State can't move the ball. I mean, Nebraska go win this thing, right? Well, on the opening series, Nebraska quarterback Adrian Martinez throws an interception. Michigan State still couldn't really move the ball, but they kicked a field goal and they win the game. Thanks for coming. You know, the sad part is I'm actually seeing a few signs that maybe Nebraska is improving. I just don't know if it matters. Because Scott Frost's team keeps finding ways to make the worst mistake at the most inappropriate times. And the question that we have to ask is, how much time will Big Red Nation give to Scott Frost? We know they loved him. They were so excited when he came back. Is it going to be enough to finish around 500? Or are they going to be cutting him loose as soon as this season ends? Scott Frost, once again, is a big loser because his Nebraska Cornhuskers just keep finding ways to lose. You know, college football has already been really fun this season. And now conference games are getting ready to begin. Coming up this weekend, we get Ole Miss versus Alabama. We talked about Arkansas versus Georgia. We get Baylor versus Oklahoma State, Arizona State versus UCLA, and Cincinnati will be facing Notre Dame. We have some really, really good games still to go this year. And you know what? The great part about it is it's just beginning. College football is just ramping up, and it's just going to be more and more fun this year. Hey, let's switch over to the NFL. Because NFL Week 3 featured a few records being broken, some last-second insanity, some controversy, and a few more pieces to the puzzle of all of us trying to figure out, okay, who's good and who isn't? Because sometimes it's hard to tell. But right now, let's hand out some winners and some losers from week three in the NFL. And I'm going to give our first winner to a player that broke an NFL record on Sunday, and he did it in dramatic fashion. Trailing 17-16 to the Detroit Lions with just over a minute to play, the Baltimore Ravens took over possession of the football on their own 25-yard line. Six plays later, they had only managed to get to the Detroit 48-yard line. And now, there's only two seconds left to play. So Ravens head coach John Harbaugh sent in his kicker, Justin Tucker, to try a 66-yard field goal. Now remember, the longest field goal in NFL history was actually kicked by Matt Prater back in 2013. It was 64 yards. This is going to be two longer than the longest kick ever. So Tucker kicks the ball. It's straight, but does it have the distance? Here is a clip from Jim Costa, 971, the ticket in Detroit. Uh, I'll give him credit. He actually keeps it together a lot better than I thought he would. Tucker's ready. There's the snap. Spot down. Kick on the way. It is up, and it is off the crossbar and through. Oh, my goodness. Are you kidding me? Justin Tucker from 66 hit the crossbar and it bounced through. And the Ravens are celebrating on the field. The longest field goal in the history of the NFL has just beaten the Detroit Lions. You know, only the Detroit Lions could lose like this. I mean, you want proof? Remember the field goal record that stood for 43 years. The New Orleans Saints' Tom Dempsey with his half a foot, kicking a 63-yard field goal? That was a record that stood forever. Well, guess who it was against? Yeah, you know full well. It was against those Detroit Lions. These things just happened to that franchise. You can't explain it. They just did. So, Justin Tucker, gotta be named a winner this week. Speaking of kickers, speaking of Matt Prater, I have to give out our first NFL loser this week. And since we just handed out our first winner to a kicker, which is already kind of a joke, I will further sully this list and hand out our first loser to a kicker as well, just to kind of even things out. Because I'm going to give a loser to Arizona Cardinals kicker, yes, Matt Prater, who at the end of the first half of the Cardinals game against the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Cardinals decided they would allow Matt Prater to try to beat his own record with a 
eight-yard field goal attempt. The kick was short, and Jaguars wide receiver Jamal Agnew caught the ball and returned it 109 yards for a touchdown to end the first half. Hey, attempting these long kicks, it does come with certain risks. I mean, it might get blocked, you might miss, or you might get a return for 109 yards and a touchdown. Because when you think about it, when you try these kicks, you don't have kick coverage personnel on the field. You've got the big guys out there. They're not going to tackle anybody. The Cardinals did, of course, go on to win the game 31-19. to But they tried to let the Jaguars back in that game with that long kick. And for that, I've got to give Matt Prater a loser this week. I'm going to give a winner. And I'm going to give it to a loser. But this week, they are a winner. So they had better celebrate while they can. Because the Atlanta Falcons and New York Giants had not won a game combined all season. Well, they met on Sunday. And, I mean, someone had to win, right? The Giants were retiring former quarterback Eli Manning's jersey at halftime. Unfortunately, the Falcons decided they would ruin the celebration. And they managed to beat the Giants on the last play of the game with a field goal. Falcons 17, Giants 14. And you know, once again this season, we are seeing a lot of bad football. And this game was some of the worst football we have seen. Falcons quarterback Matt Ryan, he's putting up decent yardage numbers. He's just, again, not always getting touchdowns. And again, the Falcons are not always playing good defense. And again, the Falcons are usually losing. But hey, they got to win this week on Sunday. And you know, it's tough for the Falcons because the rest of that NFC South division, they're looking pretty decent. And then you have Atlanta. But hey, enjoy your win. You got to win this week. Enjoy it while you can. I'm going to give a loser. And I'm going to give it to a team that is widely considered to be the favorite for the Super Bowl in the AFC. And that, of course, is the Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs now have a losing record for the first time since 2015. They are now 1-2 and two after they lost 30-24 to to the Los Angeles Chargers on Sunday. And you know what's crazy? Is that the Chiefs now find themselves in dead last place in the AFC West. Now, I would assume this is all just an aberration. The Chiefs have way too much talent to just fall apart. They just picked up chronic drug user wide receiver Josh Gordon. And he is a physically talented guy. Granted, he'll probably go MIA, and we already kind of know how that all ends, right? But I've told you before, I believe quarterback Patrick Mahomes, he's developed some dangerous habits over the past year or two. Does a lot of the no-look throws and throwing off his back foot, and he does these things a lot. Well, it's not just him. The entire team has developed some bad habits. I mean, first, their defense is allowing 32 points per game. That's the worst in the league. And that means your offense has to be nearly perfect, which right now they aren't. Second are the slow starts. I mean, the Chiefs have been outscored 53-34 to in the first half of their three games this season. They start slow, then they kind of flip the switch, and then they come back. The problem for me is I'm not a big believer in that switch. Relying on that switch is a dangerous way to play, and the Chiefs have some fundamental flaws in their game. They're playing sloppy. They're committing way too many penalties. They're turning the ball over far too often. The Kansas City Chiefs need to shore some things up quickly because they were a loser in Week 3. Obviously, they can make that up. They're way too talented. But the Kansas City Chiefs do have some problems that they're going to have to fix. Okay, coming back. We still have a few more NFL winners and losers to hand out, but then we need to get over to our Daily Dose Top 5. You know, athletes are always trying to gain an advantage. Sometimes they will even resort to doing some shady things to accomplish that. And that is when athletes can get real creative. We're going to explain what we mean when we get back. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. 
No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. So let's finish up our winners and losers from week three in the NFL season. And let's hand out a winner. And let's give it to a guy who isn't used to winning all that much. Yes, I am talking about Los Angeles Rams quarterback Matthew Stafford, who managed to outduel Tom Brady and the Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Sunday. You know, Stafford played the team that is widely thought to be the favorites to win the Super Bowl again this year. But he showed why the Rams were willing to make that trade and go get him this past offseason. The Rams beat the Bucs 34-24, and while Brady was good, I mean, he threw for 432 yards, he only had one touchdown. It was actually Stafford who led his team to the win. Matt Stafford threw for 343 yards, but he also threw for four touchdowns. And the Rams are still undefeated. Through just three games, Matt Stafford has already thrown for over 900 yards and has nine touchdowns. You know, we all kind of wondered, what is Matthew Stafford going to look like playing in meaningful games for a change? Because in Detroit, he just wasn't a part of very many meaningful games. Well, so far, he is looking like he is ready for the challenge And right now, if you were ranking the teams in the NFC, you'd probably have to put the Rams at the top of the list. And a big reason for that is Matt Stafford. He was definitely a winner this weekend. I want to give a loser, and I'm going to give it to a defense that we all thought was going to be so good this year. But so far, they aren't showing it at all. And the bad news is if they aren't good, I don't have much hope for the rest of this team. Remember last season? When the Washington football team defense was allowing just 20 points a game. And because of that, it actually hid their dreadful offense and the rest of that dreadful team. I mean, yes, they went seven and nine, but they did make the playoffs. And they even gave the Buccaneers a little bit of a game in the playoffs. Well, so far this year, the Washington football team is just one and two, but they are allowing 30 points per game on Sunday. Washington allowed the Buffalo Bills offense to finally get on track. They had been struggling. And Bills quarterback Josh Allen threw for 358 yards and four touchdowns. The Bills smoked Washington 43-21. to Here's something crazy to think about. So far, Washington pass rusher Chase Young has zero sacks. That's not a good sign. And Washington is going to continue to struggle if they don't figure that defense out soon. I don't know what they were doing last year. Maybe it was a soft schedule, but whatever they were doing, it's not happening this year. And as a result, Washington is getting themselves into trouble. Washington can't afford to fall too far behind. I don't know that they have the kind of team that can win a lot of games. So they need to figure out their defense real quick. I'm going to hand out a winner, and I'm going to give it to a quarterback that just keeps proving people wrong every single year. And yes. That is the unhappy and disgruntled Green Bay Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers. Because after being unhappy all offseason, saying he might retire, all the talk about maybe he would be traded, the Packers started this season by getting blown out by the New Orleans Saints, and Aaron Rodgers in that game was absolutely terrible. So we had a lot of the talking hairdos telling us maybe he's done, maybe he's quit, maybe he just can't wait to get out of Green Bay. You done messed up, man! Well, now Aaron has put together back-to-back really solid games. I mean, against the Detroit Lions in Week 2, he threw for 255 yards and four touchdowns. And then this week on Sunday night, he torched the San Francisco 49ers for 261 yards and two touchdowns, and he proved that he is, once again, one of the most dangerous quarterbacks in NFL history. Because... The Niners actually scored a touchdown to take the lead with just 30 seconds left. But 37 seconds is just way too much time for Aaron Rodgers. I mean, 
He only completed two passes, but he threw a 25-yard strike. Then he throws a 17-yard rope, and Packers kick a field goal, and the game is suddenly over. I mean, I've told you this before, but beware of petty people. Because Aaron Rodgers is petty. He remembers everyone that talked bad about him. He remembers all the critics hammering him. He remembers every bit of that stuff. So did Michael Jordan. So did Tiger Woods. Aaron Rodgers is petty, and he is proving again to everyone that he can just light a team up when he wants to. He loves proving people wrong. That is just how Aaron Rodgers kind of rolls, and he is doing it again this year. Don't count out Aaron Rodgers and the Packers just yet, because they're still going to be a load, and Aaron Rodgers is loving proving the people wrong that have doubted him. I'm going to give a loser, and I'm actually going to give it to an entire fan base. And yes, that is to the fans of the Chicago Bears, who were all so excited when starting quarterback Andy Dalton went down with a knee injury. Because now, the Chicago Bears were finally going to get rookie Ohio State quarterback Justin Fields on the field. Hey, maybe Fields is going to eventually be a star. That might happen. But be careful what you wish for, Chicago fans, because he did not look like a star on Sunday. The Bears got blown out 26-6 by the Cleveland Browns, and Justin Fields had a rough day at the office. He finished the day just 6 of 20 for 68 yards. He was actually sacked nine times for 67 yards, which basically means that on the first start of his career, Justin Fields had a net passing game of one yard. The Bears managed just six first downs and a total of 47 yards. Now, this is all bad karma for Bears fans cheering when Andy Dalton got injured. The football gods heard you. They did not care for your attitude, and now you shall be punished. In fact, Bears coach Matt Nagy now says that Justin Fields, Andy Dalton, and Nick Foles are all under consideration to start on Sunday against the Detroit Lions. Now, against Detroit, maybe it doesn't matter. But the problem is, we know how fans act. Fans will be like, Justin Fields is our guy. Get him in the game. I wish Andy Dalton would get hurt. And as soon as Justin Fields goes in the game and is terrible, the same fans will be going, Justin Fields sucks. We need Andy Dalton to come back. And then if he comes back and isn't good, Andy Dalton sucks. We need to get Nick Foles on the field. Never forget that the average sports fan is an idiot. I mean, I know I am talking to sports fans out there, but you're doing things a little bit different because we try not to be those fans here at the Daily Dose. That's why you're listening. We can't be those moronic fans, but the Chicago Bears fans were, and for that, they get a loser this week. We are going to hand out a final winner this week, and that is to a team that is actually surprising everyone with their undefeated record because the Las Vegas Raiders are 3-0, and they're playing pretty well on both sides of the ball. I mean, Las Vegas has now beaten Pittsburgh. That's okay. Baltimore. Baltimore's pretty good. And the Miami Dolphins. And quarterback Derek Carr is playing maybe the best football of his career right now. Carr has already thrown for over 1,200 yards in just three games. The Raiders are actually leading the league in passing yards. Now, I know we all just penciled in the Chiefs and the Chargers for the AFC West, but right now, the Raiders are the team that are looking like the best team in the division. We'll see if that can hold up. But things are going to get real interesting this next week because the Monday night football game is those Raiders going to LA to face the Chargers. And you know, Raider fan will take over that stadium in Los Angeles. Here is the scary part for the Raiders, though. Good news, you're winning, you're 3-0, you're on top of the division. But aside from his very first year, the Raiders have been starting strong under head coach John Gruden for the past few years. Remember, they were 6-3 and last year, then finished 8-8. Eight and eight. They were 6-4 in 2019, and then finished 7-9. and nine. So the strong start is no guarantee that the Raiders will finish strong. What will be new and really good news for Raider fans is if they can finish as strong as they've been starting. But no question, the Raiders off to a very, very strong start. 
We are going to hand out our final loser of the week, and we're going to give it to a quarterback that I told you before the season. I wasn't sure if he really wanted to play, but he came back, and he didn't look all that great, but he was out there, and he was doing okay. Well, on Sunday, we were reminded that maybe he really doesn't want to be there because Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback Ben Roethlisberger, he looked like he was done on Sunday against the Cincinnati Bengals. The Bengals pasted the Steelers 24-10, to and Ben threw the ball nearly 60 times. But he averaged just five yards per pass. He was sacked four times. He was hit seven times. He was intercepted twice. He has nothing on his passes. They're fluttering. He can't move. He is stuck behind a bad offensive line. And now the one and two Steelers get to go to Green Bay to face Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. Now, I question whether or not Pittsburgh should pull the trigger on getting that next era of quarterback in the offseason, but they seem set on Ben. I'm not so sure they feel that same way now, and we're only three weeks into the season. Ben either needs to get some help from the running game, or he needs to find the fountain of youth, or something, because that was rough to watch on Sunday. He looked like he should have retired like two or three years ago. You know, the NFL, it's compelling every single week. I mean, we just had week three. Okay, no big deal, but there were some really fun games. And I mean, think about the upcoming week, week four. We get Raiders versus Chargers on Monday night. We get Seattle versus San Francisco. We get the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Tom Brady going back to New England to face Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots. I mean, say what you will about the NFL. I know it has a ton of flaws, but the NFL is top flight entertainment every single week. And I am absolutely loving the league being back at full strength again this year. It has been a fun season already in the NFL. Now, as we do so many weeks here at the Daily Dose, we need to get over to our Daily Dose Top 5. You know, we talked earlier about Dallas Cowboys offensive lineman Lyle Collins getting popped for using an illegal substance and then missing tests and then trying to bribe his NFL tester. But let's all be honest. When it comes to sports, everyone is looking for some sort of an edge. And a good number of athletes will look for ways to cheat to make themselves better. Hey, it happens all the time. It might be Tom Brady deflating footballs. It might be Ben Johnson injecting some sort of horse medicine into his body. But athletes are always looking for an edge. But just like that situation with Lyle Collins, it's one thing to cheat. It's another thing that when you get caught, then you really put on the show. Because today, our Daily Dose Top 5 is counting down the top five dumbest excuses given by athletes when they were caught doping. Now, I'm not just going to go with any cheating. Believe me. That would be a top five of its own. I mean, things from dipping their hand wraps in plaster to hitching a ride in a marathon to faking getting hit by a pitch to stealing opponent signals with electronic devices. Athletes, like I said, they love to cheat. They are always trying to get an edge. But one way we know athletes cheat is by taking substances that are supposed to give them a sneaky edge. And when they get caught, some of their excuses are actually hysterical. Let's count down the top five dumbest excuses given when athletes got caught for doping. We start off at number five. Five. And we go back to 2011, where five members of North Korea's women's soccer team actually tested positive for steroids at the World Cup in Germany. At least, that's what FIFA's anti-doping committee said. They said the North Korean team had five members that tested positive for some sort of steroid. The North Korea team, well, they had a different explanation. Because according to North Korean officials, they claimed that the team had been struck by lightning at a practice prior to the tournament. So to help them recover from their lightning strike, team doctors had prescribed some old traditional medicine. And it was made of deer musk glands. And they claimed... Those darn deer musk glands are what triggered that positive test. It wasn't steroids. It was a lightning strike and then an old herbal medicine treatment. That's the only thing they had done. Of course, FIFA didn't buy it. 
Instead, the organization gave them a lengthy ban, the result of which they actually had to miss the 2014 Asian Cup as well as the 2015 Women's World Cup. But the old got hit by lightning, so we took some deer musk? Yeah, that old trick never works. Well, almost never. And today, it comes in at number five. We move on to number four. And you know, right now, when you think of men's tennis, if you think of men's tennis, I don't usually, you pretty much just think of guys like Novak or Nadal. I mean, back in the early 2000s, before Rafael Nadal emerged as kind of the guy to be on clay, Mariano Puerta was one of the great players on clay courts. But in 2005 at the French Open, Nadal would beat Puerta in the final, and losing to Nadal was just the beginning of Puerta's downfall. Because just a few days after that final, it was revealed that the Argentinian tennis pro had tested positive for a steroid called etilfrine. And the problem was that this wasn't the first time he had tested positive for that. A similar thing had actually happened two years before, and he had been suspended for a while because of it. So this time when it happened again, of course tennis was far less forgiving, but perhaps things would have been a little bit different if Puerta had come up with a better excuse. Because what he tried to say was he tried to spin that he was only testing positive for this specific drug because of his wife's premenstrual pain medication. Now, why in the world would he be taking his wife's menstrual pain medication? Well, he says he wasn't actually taking it, but that he accidentally had taken some of the substance in that medication in after he drank water from the same glass as his wife. That's not how it works. That's not how any of this works. Needless to say, Mariano Puerta's excuse did not fly with tennis, and he was suspended, and he comes in on our list of morons today at number four. We move on to number three. And we reach a sport that is notoriously filthy. Yes, I am talking about track and field. Because it was back in 2005 that American sprinter LaShawn Merritt emerged onto the athletic scene as just a junior. He was setting youth world records. He was even helping the American 4x400 meter relay team win gold at the world championships. And get this, he was only 18 years old. Over the next few years, his career would further explode. He collected more golds at the world championship events. He won the gold at the 2008 Olympics in Beijing. But more than just his trophy case was getting bigger. Because if you look at photos of LaShawn Merritt as a kid when he was younger, and then as he ages, I mean, dude is getting unnaturally ripped. In 2010, the increasingly muscular sprinter was revealed to have failed three different drug tests for banned steroids. But, I mean, don't worry about that. Because Mr. Merritt had a really good excuse. He claimed that while his performance on the track was really, really good, his performance in the bedroom was really, really bad. It is embarrassing! Merritt claimed that the positive test results were from using a penis enlargement supplement called Extends. No one believed it. Merritt would be forced to serve a 21-month ban for his, uh, what, dysfunction? Again, it isn't just that these excuses are bad. Sometimes they're flat-out embarrassing to the athletes themselves. LaShawn Merritt was willing to lie about his own manhood, literally. And for that, he comes on our list today at number three. We move on to number two. And we know boxing is a sport that always has cheating. From dirty judges, to some sort of substance on your gloves, to guys trying to cheat in the weigh-in process, boxing is just another sport. It's just always filthy. Well, Tyson Fury is a two-time heavyweight champion. So you know, he knows how to skirt a rule or two. Upon testing positive for Nandrolone in 2016, Tyson Fury blamed it on the fact that he had eaten some wild boar meat and that the boar was either uncastrated or maybe the boar had been injected with some sort of steroids. Now understand this. There were around 100 documented cases of wild boars attacking people over the last 100 years. It's kind of strange that number would be that low knowing that boars are on steroids, right? <laughs> You'd think they'd be going crazy every week and like beating up their girlfriends. 
but that's not actually happening. The UK Boxing Anti-Doping Agency did not believe Tyson Fury. They eventually handed him a backdated two-year ban in 2017. But what that meant was that Tyson Fury had already served his sentence. And so they let him come back to the ring. See, sometimes we look at these situations and we think, why do these morons say these stupid excuses? Well, this is why. Because sometimes they actually work. That is the dumber part of this whole thing. Tyson Fury used a really dumb excuse. And it kind of worked. And for that, he comes in today at number two. So we reach the number one stupid excuse given by an athlete when they got busted for doping. And we go back to those squeaky clean track and field athletes yet again. Olympic gold medals, world championship titles, NCAA championships, the list of Dennis Mitchell's achievements. It goes on for quite a while. He was a pretty amazing athlete. However, apart from his sporting achievements, Dennis Mitchell is also going to be remembered for one other thing. Getting popped for doping in 1998. Because a test in 98 revealed that Dennis Mitchell's testosterone levels were three times higher than normal. Now, the obvious explanation was that he was juicing. But no, Mitchell said he wasn't actually using steroids. He says the reason for his abnormally high testosterone levels was what happened the night before the test. The story goes that on that fateful evening, he and his wife had sex four times. He said it was her birthday. The lady deserved a treat. USA Track and Field saw this as a legit explanation, and those idiots actually let it slide. Now, the same wasn't the case for World Athletics. They actually banned him for two years. But too much sex raised your levels of testosterone? That's not how it works. That's not how any of this works. Who would be dumb enough to try that excuse? Well, Dennis Mitchell did. And it worked. Again, that's the amazing part about this top five. It isn't that people cheat or lie or come up with dumb excuses. It's that the governing bodies sometimes actually accept the excuses and let them skate on it. That's why they do it. It works. And you know, that might be the most disturbing part of this top five. Look at Josh Gordon getting another shot with the NFL. His dumb excuses just keep working because people want to believe really, really talented athletes. Even when we know that excuse is the dumbest thing we've ever heard. Hey, next week on The Dose, we will continue to bring you our unique takes on all things sports. So be sure to stop by and be sure to tell a friend to do the same. College football and the NFL are rolling. And don't forget, the Major League Baseball playoffs will get started next week as well. So you know you need to tune into The Dose. I want to say thank you to each and every one of you for listening to The Daily Dose every week. Thank you for the emails. Thank you for the texts. Thank you for the tweets. Thank you for subscribing wherever it is you watch or listen. And thank you so much for checking out the new things going on over at DailyDoseSports.com. But most of all, thank you so much for sharing the podcast, for sharing the video, for sharing the articles with someone that you know. We absolutely love it when you do that. I have to say thank you to Jess P. Could not do any of this without you. I will see you all next Wednesday. Have a great week, everybody. That's not how it works. That's not how any of this works. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.